Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I'm bringing back Blast Hard Cheese. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I'm Ch- I'm Shops, aka Kevin, and uh, you can call me Thick McRunFast. <laughs> <sighs> this is Potter, and I really thought we were done with this shit. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I was definitely done with it. I had oh. something else planned, but Paul threw it, uh, threw it out, threw down the gauntlet. So I had to, I had to raise another Dave Ryder name. Hell yeah! You, you guys are just solidifying me being this week's curmudgeon even further sounds, with your openings. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I can live with that. All right, guys. Okay. So another episode of Three Men in a War Game. Uh, w- what have you guys done since the last time we recorded? Uh, per hobby progress, games played, things you've done. I I traveled to DC for work, so I didn't play any games, and I'm hating my airbrush right now because it doesn't want to work right. Perfect. That sucks. So um, that's about that's that's my life. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, no hobby progress this week, um, mostly because I just got my watchers, half my watchers in my hand yesterday so i hadn't been really working on stuff uh till then um gaming wise though i did get to go a chance to go out and play um a variant of my list uh against jesse uh hex outlaw list and carcosa and and uh uh what's his name um his little minion that comes with him the girl i don't don't remember how Oh, how was playing that? I was Carcosa. Uh, Car- I mean, the funny thing is, is like I I was able to get Carcosa dead pretty quickly. Um, I I drained a lot of his uh, his uh, fortune by going after some of the other models in his, or actually going after Locas because it's pretty much an outlaws list with just Carcosa and Lo- Locas and one in, in a, their own little posse off to the side. Um, so, you know, I, I targeted Locast with a, a ton and, uh, was able to actually get, uh, Carcosa to burn pretty much all the fortune off that popped, um, slain in the backfield, got a, got a really lucky shot off. Um, the, 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 the dice just were not with Jesse on that one. He should have not failed the, the grit check that he failed in. Because of Pierce Mice Four, uh, Carcosa died. Or uh, yeah, Carcosa died because he was already uh, he was already meddled. Whoops. Ooh, yeah. Ouch. So, I, like I said, I got extremely lucky on that one. Uh, but I just I couldn't get through the rest of his army. Uh, the funny thing is, is I killed both of his bosses. I uh, killed Stonewall, killed Carcosa, uh, but I just couldn't get through anything else through the rest of his army. I couldn't get through Tobias. I couldn't get through. Um, he didn't have uh, Wraith. He had. Uh, Bloody Bill, um, yeah, some really really tough models that I just I couldn't get. I I overextended Marcus uh, when I I transformed a Cerulean Prime into Marcus uh, Wayward, and I um, and I threw one of my uh, Chico Betas a little too far out there, just overextended them and lost them very early in the game. Uh, so it w- it was a tough uphill battle for me. I ended up calling it. Because I think by the last turn, I had one, I had two grav cannons left, or one grav cannon left. So, I just I called it. Ouch. Yeah, it was it was yeah. a tough game for me. Yeah, ouch. Very tough game for me. Um, I, I've since modified the list. Um, I've taken out the grav cannons. I've taken out the second vixen, and I've thrown in some some uh, some grays. So we're gonna see how that plays out. I threw in two units of grays, which gets me you know six more bodies. Uh, both of them had enough points to throw in some heavy weapons on those. One of them's getting the sniper rifle, and the other one's getting a heavy drain rifle. Luckily, neither which have the heavy statistic Keyword. on it. So I'll get six normal shots out of the out of the guys with no pierce, and then their heavy weapons. Both of them have pierce on those, so we'll see how they do. And they can um, move and shoot. That's cool. Yes, the whole unit can move and shoot. So you know, still got the idea of pushing the the Chico betas up as a as an alpha strike uh, with the with the with the Chigo, um, the Viridian Chigos up the field. But you know, gonna try and hold a little bit more reserve next time, not overextend them turn one like I did. Very cool. Yeah, that's a challenge on something that mobile. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a learning game for me. I mean, it was my only my third game with Watchers, so um, you know, I'm still learning the faction. 
Um, you know, I think I've got a grasp of what everybody's job is. It's just now trying to figure out how to execute that job. Awesome. I'm jealous. I wish I could have played. Well, you went to Florida. Or no, you went to I D.C. I did not go to Florida. You went to D.C. Went to D.C. That's a long way from Florida, sir. Yeah, I forgot your last one was Florida. But still, I'm still jealous because you went to my hometown. So, I'm sorry. No, you're not. I'm sorry that that's your hometown. That, well, that was hey, what I was like, you hate. I was like, you hate D.C. <laughs> womp womp. Yeah. So so, but to be honest with you, right now I am painting some Wild West Exodus. I'm a little bummed because I'm doing it by hand instead of with my airbrush. Yeah, I got my airbrush out. I need to. I need to finalize my color scheme on my uh, my watchers. I'm, I'm I'm really thinking I'm probably gonna go with that purple and green for the armor, and then just each of the aliens will have their own different skin tones. So, but we'll we'll see. I don't want it. I'll have to figure that out. I like it. Yeah, I, like I just it need to do like if you know with the way that the studio does it. You know, a lot of their weapons are the same color as their armor, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I want to go down that road. I may try and do like different coloring for the weapons, just to break it up a little bit more. Cool. So, cool. so that's a that's a lot of Wild West Exodus talking. Wild West Exodus happens to be a skirmish game, huh? It does. It does. Yeah. So uh, maybe we should talk about what's so great about skirmish games. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the first thing I'll throw out there, and you know, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to say with a lot of our audience like what their main game systems are, or what they what they play. Um, but you know, we're primarily, I think, skirmish gamers and we don't necessarily like thumb our noses up at mass battle games. We're definitely mostly in that camp of playing skirmish style games. And the the thing I want to throw out first and foremost, and it's a comment that I see, like I'll post a picture of like a Malifaux crew on Imager or on Reddit or whatever, like in a public area, people will be like, what is this poor man's war or, you know, poor man's Warhammer?" And it just, it's like... It's such a frustrating thing, right? Because nothing could be further from the truth. And the truth really is that, you know, the Warhammer is the poor man's game because you have to pay your, you know, your whole goddamn salary to play the game. Um, and then, you know, the rule systems are, you know, they're fine. They're fine. They're, but they're, they're uh, you know, old feeling, uh, most of them. And, you know, there's like ancient sort of things that they still rely on, like the to hit, to wound, to save roles, um, things that a lot of the industry has moved on from, uh, and like innovative mechanics that people could be, uh, could be getting into. Like when I hear someone say, you know, what is that old or in a poor man's Warhammer? I'm like, what, you know, what are you like looking at new video games and being like, what is this old man's Nintendo 64? Like, no, (laughs) or poor man's Nintendo 64. Like, no, that is not the case. Right? Like, then just because it's new, uh, do, you know, doesn't mean it's cult of the new and it doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, and I think we're here to talk about why skirmish games are not bad, but they are in fact rad. Yeah, I agree. they are rad. Let's get, let's get right into it. Chops. I think you have uh, some list of things that we're going to, uh, run through. I do. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about right, the, the first, uh, the first and most important thing to me, I think is that, um, when you talk about skirmish games, the ease of entry into the hobby um, is is very good because skirmish games uh, tend to, as the name implies, be smaller in scale and smaller in scope than a mass battle game. Um, and with that comes the and it, you know not as many models to build. So if you're a brand new player, it's not as if you have to like come into a local shop and see somebody who's got hundreds of models on the table. You can get into a skirmish game like you could play a game like Guild Ball where you could just buy a box of six pre-assembled miniatures and then you don't even have to build at all. Um, and even with them, with their organized play, they're fine with the the colored plastics. So you don't even have to paint them if you don't want to step that far in. So skirmish games offer an extremely low bar to ease, ease of entry into the hobby. Um, I, do you guys have any thoughts on, on like ease of entry, things you've seen, like maybe uh, anecdotes about, about how like that is actually true? Yeah, I mean, I started with um, War Machine back in the day, uh, early 2000s. Um, you know, I, that, that's where I started my skirmish gaming. I was, you know, beforehand Warhammer GW fanboy. I was actually working for GW and then, you know, but somebody was like, oh yeah, just go buy this battle box and you can play a game. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can, I I can buy a box with four models in it and and I'm done. Like I can play a game. 
that's ridiculous. You know, whereas I'm used to like waiting to wait the ogre battalion box comes out and spend three hundred three hundred fifty dollars to get my army to be even able to try and start playing a Warhammer Fantasy bit game. So, um, you know, it's things like that, uh, and now they've even branched into, like, two-player starter sets, you know, uh, I think, and we've talked about it hands down, Wild West Exodus, to me, has the best for, for model count, for balance, and for, you know, model-wise, the best bang for your buck with mo- uh, money. But I also think the, the, the two-player battle boxes for Privateer Press are a really good entry point. You split that 75 bucks with a friend. You know, you now you've got two half armies, and you can play full fledged games with those. Yeah. You know, you get war beasts, you get war jacks, you get units, you get a warcaster, you get everything except for a solo, which is you know key for for war machine. Like the the barrier for entry is very low. Super I mean, you're talking low. less than a hundred dollars, and you're playing full level games. Yeah, I'd I'd argue that uh, that Carnival from TV T T Combat and uh, especially in Infinity from Corvus Belly. Uh, also have excellent two-player boxes that get you True. in with beautiful models and even terrain mm-hmm. in those two cases, like 3D terrain for under 100. I've forgotten about in, in, Infinity's boxes because yeah, those are those are slick too, um, especially for the terrain you're getting. Yeah, they're great. All three of them are great. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and, and to piggyback on that concept, Chris, it's it's also really good for people like us who don't stick to a game. Mm-hmm. Right, so so you can easily dabble in multiple games and still spend less than some other full games. I mean, that might yeah, be I mean, how like, we got into the podcast business, right? <laughs> definitely. I mean, exactly. Well, I mean, like I know when we did this, you know, we, you know, you know, Paul and I, you know, when Paul was talking to me initially about coming in, you know, chops before you and I really started talking, you know, we were talking about this whole thing. I'm like, well, why are we going to stick to one game? And like, we always hop around games. It doesn't make sense for us to just talk about like. I think we were, I don't I think we were talking about doing a Malifaux podcast back then I think it was and, you know because we other, had, other side actually. that's what it was other side I knew it was I knew it was weird related but then it was like why you know because in two months you know you, you Paul and I are gonna jump to another game like we always do um, so this yeah playing skirmish games has really helped and it's like you know as much as I love GW models because I think their models are fantastic I want to build them I want to convert them I want to paint them. You know, I lean towards playing like their kill teams. Hopefully, Warcry when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would like to play some Underworlds because uh, I have you know four team, five teams for Underworlds, and I never get to play because you know it's four models and I'm done. Right. Yeah, I keep wanting. You know, to I, I get G- I get GW models. I can convert them. I can paint them. It's you know tw- it's what thirty five forty bucks for a box of four or five models. You know, boom, I'm good because I've got the boards. I'll, you know, now I get new cards. And again, you know what we've said it before and I'll stick by it that GW makes some of the best models in the business, if not the best model in the business. So it is fun to buy them. But again, you know, sometimes the rule systems don't feel as, uh, as robust, um, which we'll talk about a little later, but I mean, I think they're, I think they're getting better. I will defend them and I will say that they're getting a little bit better. You know, the chart, the charts are gone. They, they were not doing the charts anymore. So. Yeah, it feels like every game is a beta for the next game. Like they just keep iterating and learning, which is good, right? It's, and really, I say that as if it's a derogatory thing, but it's a good thing. They're getting better. They're listening to the community, and also they're pushing towards skirmish, which is which is good. You know, it's good for me. Yep. It's uh, it's the 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 place I sit into. But you know, mentioning that, let's just talk about cost of entry, right? And 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 just to give some anecdotes, right? We talked about two player starters, but like outside of that two player starter space. Um, we could look at a game. I, I mentioned Guild Ball, right? Guild Ball, you look at a box. The boxes, uh, you know, depending on where you buy them, if you're either at your friendly local game store or online, uh, the prices that you're looking at are going to range from somewhere from 40 to $60, depending on where you buy it, which box you're looking at, et cetera, et cetera. But they all come with six players, um, two pieces of terrain, a ball, uh, and and the, the tokens that you need to play the game. Uh, and the miniatures are pre-assembled, at least for the plastic ones, right? So, and, and that's, you're talking about 40 to 60 bucks and you're in. Uh, we talk about a game like Malifaux, right? Again, uh, 35 to $55 for a crew box. Um, and not every crew box, I think, is suitable for play right out of the box, but there are a lot. And if you talk to a local henchman or someone who plays Malifaux and, and you say that one of your things that you want when you're getting into the game is you want to be able to make an initial purchase that you can play with, they can steer, steer you toward one of those boxes that's going to get you a good 35 stone list that you can play with competently. Um, and Wild West Exodus, man, these posse boxes play really well against each other. 
Mm-hmm. And, a, and a posse box is, uh, you know, 45 U.S. dollars in general. So you're, you're, you're probably looking closer to 60 if you want the one with all the tokens in it. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. The star, starter box. Oh, you're right. You need your gubbins and stuff. Um, and that's true in Malifaux too, right? Like you can play with a card deck, but you really need a fate deck if you're going to really keep track uh, easily and quickly. Um, but you need, yeah, you're right. M- closer to 60. Um, but even still, you know, that gets you everything you need to play for your, your action adventure deck, um, and your tokens. So that's a, that's a hell of a deal anyway. Well, I mean, we're, I mean, we're going to probably end up keep going back and compare to GW, you know, just cause they are the beast that they are, but you know, 45, $60, you know, in GW barely gets me a, a, a 10 man tactical squad for if I'm playing, looking at space Marines, especially if you're looking at as primaris which is the way that they're going because those are like what almost sixty dollars a box just for ten dudes, right. and that's one squad. Right. Whereas right. I can spend sixty dollars, and I've got a, almost a whole army. Yeah, I mean, for, what what the the thing that I like to make out for for most people is that what costs you for an army uh, in a game like Forty K or Age of Sigmar or even War Machine at this point uh, can buy you an entire faction in a skirmish game. Like straight mm-hmm. up, you can just kit out a full faction, um, and then that's a deep dive. Yep. And have all the options. That's what I'm saying. All the options, right? Yep. Um, rather than just the, what you spend on a single list. So cost of entry, big deal. Um, and that 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 it's going to trigger us into the lower model count topic, right? So, uh, and uh, all of these these topics come in and they sort of relate to each other in certain ways. And the low model count is a bridge between two things. Um, one is that cost of entry, right? Since the, the, the model, model count is lower, naturally the price is going to be lower. Uh, but another thing that lower model count does is it forces the game designers uh, and the sculptors in these games to make uh, a very conscious decision to make these models very dynamic and very characterful. Um, there aren't a lot of skirmish games. Like if you look, and especially at the skirmish games we just mentioned, Wild West Exodus, Malifaux, Guild Ball, we can talk about relic blade uh we can talk about infinity all these games have extremely characterful models and it's not to say that gw doesn't right gw has its characters but like if you look at a space marine army a space marine is a space marine is a space marine right you paint seven intercessor squads you're going to be sick to death as painting fucking space marines whereas a game like wild west exodus or malifaux you buy a crew and or posse box all of those models are different, right? They, they might have a similar theme, something that hooks them all together, um, but they're going to be different poses. Um, typically, they're named models, and they're, and they're posed in ways that are extremely dynamic, that indicate motion, um, and are um, extremely cool to talk about. And I think you know, they, they tell stories just by looking at them. Uh, and I, I think that's another thing about skirmish games that sometimes people don't think about is that the the quality of the sculpts and the di- the, the dynamism of the sculpts is so high in most of these games. And like the Drowned Earth, right? Another really great example of a game that has like super dynamic and very interesting models to look at. Like if you plop those models out on the table, anybody playing any game system is going to come over and look at them. Yeah, that's true because they they are so interesting, and that's one of the things that I, I I'm pretty sure we talked about it on our last Wild West except Wild West Exodus episode, is that there's always people coming by going, "Wow, what are you guys playing?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's got a lot to do with it. Is the 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 poses of the models and how how much fun they look like they are. Yeah, I mean, there isn't probably a day goes by where we're, we're sitting there playing where someone's just not coming up. Like, I mean, we had it happen in, in my last game uh, against Jesse. Like, a, a gentleman came up and, you know, I had to put my Warhouse hat on and, and talk to the guy about it. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, people are always talking. It's like, oh, what are you guys playing? What are you guys playing? Like, this cool looks cool. Or, you know, we'll see people like two weeks ago when you were running your demos, Paul, where the guy comes up and goes, Oh yeah, you know I have pretty much all these models from you know first edition Kickstarter. I just moved to the area. I'm glad there's a community. You know we talked to him about him. Hopefully he's you know he's joining our Discord and trying to get some games in because you know he seemed really interested and happy that people were playing the skirmish game and everybody's you know that he played. So um, you know yeah we always get comments on it and the same thing when we were playing Malifaux here and our you know and even I think the the Malifaux guys that are playing out Atomic Empire probably still get it too like. 
what are you guys playing? Because like you said, Chops, like they are dynamic poses. Uh, I will I will give that about Malifaux. Like as much as I hate building their fucking models, uh, they're beautiful models. Like the sculpts are great, um, and they're even getting better with the stuff that I've seen uh, previewed for the ME three new sculpts. Yeah, they they're great. They look really good. Um, and, and into that the characterful models uh, and the low model count also brings in the just amazing amount of rules depth. Uh, that we get with skirmish systems. And I think this is the main selling point. Like, you know, everything we talked about up to this, they're good things to talk about with skirmish games, but the, you know, especially being able to dabble in multiple systems. And the reason you want to dabble in multiple systems in this space is because the successful systems are amazing. They all have really unique and interesting mechanics that keep every decision in the game tight now, you know, we've had past episodes where we've talked about certain things, but I think all of this bears repeating, like <clears throat> multiple resource management systems that you're, you know, pushing and pulling against. Uh, smaller model count means that, you know, while macro strategy is important, like in a mass battle game, macro strategy is your bread and butter, right? Like you can win or lose a lot of games like 40K in deployment um, <clears throat> because the macro decisions that you make are so important. Uh, and in, in, a, in a skirmish game, it really comes down to your model by model activation uh, and those every small decision that you make. Right. The weight of every decision is very high. Uh, and that to a person, you know, to the, the thinking gamer, the person who likes to you know, be considerate and even the person who maybe doesn't who wants to make quick decisions, uh, they it offers a fantastic amount of agency like. I never feel when I'm playing a good skirmish game like I'm pigeonholed into the best move possible, right? There's so many things that seem like the best move, and I have to just pick one uh, because so many options are available. And I, I don't know that that's ever true in games. When, I, when I've played a mass battle game, it, always, it has always felt to me like, well, this seems like the only natural thing for me to do and the only choice that I have at the moment, uh, whereas that is not the case at all with skirmish games. No, I would I would agree with you because it always seems like, you know, when you're playing the larger games, nine times out of ten, there is the obvious answer of, of what to do. Uh, and sometimes because of the mechanics, there's only so much to do, right? Right. And again, I don't I don't want to bash any mass mass battle games because I do enjoy playing some. Um, but yeah, the the decision well, they definitely they definitely have their place, right? right. There's they're, they're a different experience. Yeah. Like there's there's there is something special about having a six by four table, and you know watching one flank completely collapse and decide whether it's worth just letting those guys die or sending them support and and making those Macro decisions. large decisions right. on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, which is great. But there's there's something different about being able to to focus on the individual models and what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, you know, like there there to me, uh, there's a there's a there's a certain satisfaction trolling a bucket full of dice and being you know like my my squad of uh, you know ten space marines with their bolter discipline are firing you know like their double shots and you know it's just like hail of gunfire and that's one thing, but to me. You know, that that feels sort of absent minded uh, when faced with a similar decision in a game like I, I, and I can make two examples, one in Malifaux and one in Bushido and in Malifaux where, you know, you flip a card and your opponent flips a card and then you've got this agonizing decision. If you're losing, looking at your 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 fate hand and trying to figure out if this is truly a place where you want to spend one of those those cards for that you know to possibly win the duel depending on what your opponent has in their hand um and that 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 like micro decision that you have to make at that point that reverberates to the rest of your turn because you lose that very important resource um it's just a, a magical part and, and you think about a game like bushido you every time you get into a fight you know i could lose this model if i lose a model it's between you know 15 and 33 percent of my force uh I and and I have so many dice that I can allocate. How many do I allocate to attack, and how many do I allocate to defense? Like, what is the right answer? Because all of the you know the combat in, in Bushido is handled simultaneously, so you can make that choice to 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 go full into defense, where you know you're going to lose some exhaustion level, but have a better chance of not dying, 
Or, you know, do you take a chance and split your dice so that you can hit someone back? Or even just say, you know, fuck it. I'm going to put all my stuff into attack and see if I can just wreck this guy for coming into my face. And those sort of like micro decisions, like you just don't have that decision space at all in a larger mass battle game, I don't think. It, uh, to me, also, I mean, the, those decision-making processes play into a lot of these multiple resources, you know, where you're, you're looking at something like Malifaux. You know, you've got, you're going into a battle, and you think that your fate hand is decent, and you're going to be able to, you know, do what you need to do, but now you find out you go in, and your opponent's fate hand is a way better, and he's able to cheat higher, and now your whole battle plan is now screwed. You know, you get the same thing in, in Wild West Exodus, where you're, you're going in doing the, like, all right, cool, I've got these action resources. Oh, crap, I can't do anything because of the fact that their their resources were a little bit better than mine. Yeah, and you you've, know, got, and you've of, got to watch, like, what they're doing to fi- try mm-hmm. and figure out, like, what, what are they trying to accomplish out of their, you know, their maybe their bonus glory cards. Like, right. what, what glory cards do they have in their hand? Like, and how can I tell based on the way they're positioning and what they're trying to go after? I mean, and that's another key point too, right there. You bring up the glory stuff for for Wild West, and, and I know there's other, uh, you know, games out there, you know, that do the kind of similar thing. But you know, it's like I'm stuck between: do I use this as a resource, or do I use this to get victory points? You know, what in the long haul am I going to gain out of if I use this as a resource instead of a victory point? You know, am I actually going to be able to gain a victory point later by spending this as a resource? And there's all those decision makings, like you're saying, like, you know, whereas in something like, you know, and I'll bash 40K again on this, like, cool, I got a unit of Marines on this objective. Whoop-de-doo. Right. Like, I'm not doing anything with it. They're just standing there and shooting where, you know, that cool, I get my victory point, I get my objective. But whereas, you know, now you go into other game systems of like, I need to use this resource, I need to do this to get into to grab this objective or be able to get this victory point because there's three or four different other scenarios outside of just going and holding an objective right yeah and don't get me wrong those and malifo like do i send my scheme runners up this side you know is my opponent going to deploy a beater over there to try to counteract my scheming and how am i going to score my 10 victory points Um, And and i'm not saying that those don't you know those Go grab objective, sit on objective missions. Don't exist in skirmish games. They, they do. do. They totally you know, but the do. thing is, is like, yeah, they they totally do. But at the same time, you're now playing a different game because you have sub objectives. You have sub, you know, sub things that you sub. Yeah, it's like a sub game inside of the game. Paul, you're quiet, man. What do you got? Man, I'm just enjoying the crap out of listening to you guys talk about this because you're right. There is a huge difference there. Um, and, and one of the things that I was thinking of while uh, you all were talking about this, and, and, and this, is, this goes back to how, God, I hate that we're just like GW bashing, but it's the first thing that's, that's on my mind. Well, and I guess also War Machine, because um, they kind of crossed that boundary between skirmish game and, and being a mass battle game. Oh, it's a game. mass battle game now. It is not um, good, Twisted. Yeah, it's, it, it didn't used to be, but it certainly is now. But... Um, the the whole do everything with all of your guys and then your opponent does everything with all of their guys um you know the nice thing about the smaller skirmish games is that you're always engaged and and that's something that you seem to to not have in the mass battle games not as much is that constant engagement yeah there there are some mass battle games and i'm gonna i'm gonna excuse at least bolt action here because bolt action is a is a mass battle game that i don't think either of you guys have played but keeps mm-hmm. both players deeply engaged the ver- like throughout the entire game and that goes toward any of those systems so Gate, gates of antares conflict 47 all those games have deep levels of player engagement. And they're not totally like I go, you go. But you're right. The uh, the integrated player turn and the alternating activation is a huge part. Of, and that's kind of what I was was hinting at with the rules innovations uh, in um, in skirmish games. You know, we're not we're not still on this tired uh, roll to hit, r- roll to wound, roll to armor save situation anymore, right? You know, you take a game like Wild West Exodus. It's deadly, man. You know, a big innovation there is that that the target number ten system. Like I'd never seen anything like it, where and for people who don't know, in in Wild West right. Exodus, just the know way, exactly what you need to hit, 
and you're going to hit The way you pass every check is you roll a d10, uh, and then you add the relevant stat to the check, and you have to equal 10. If you equal 10, you succeed. If you don't equal 10, you don't succeed. End of story. Uh, and that's the, that's the whole thing. Uh, it makes the, the conflict resolution very fast and very deadly. Uh, and again, it, mm-hmm. because, and, it, and it forces uh, very hard decisions, both as a, as a positioning player and as like where you take your shots and where you put them, because you, know, you don't get very many shots. And even when you do, the risk of missing is high constantly. I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's, that's what got me in you know, War Machine. That's what gripped me on that one was because coming from you know, GW, playing GW since I was 12, memorizing all these charts and everything, and I get into it, I was like, all right, cool, your armor is this, and I only need to roll a dice and add to your armor and yeah good like it would it's it's hard for me to bash war machine the the rules in war machine has a ama- an amazing rule set the only thing i yeah, they, the only thing i don't like about uh war machine is i go you go yeah and, and, and yeah and i will tell you that as as a former tournament player for for war machine that is quite boring and that's you know and i, and I will say like the not always do, does the I go you go have to be boring? I mean, Infinity is a key game that, that points out like where they innovated that I go you go because you're always engaged in it because because even though it's your opponent's turn, you're always still doing something because you're you're either like okay cool I'm going to shoot at you because you move this direction or you know you're taking interactions during your opponent's turns like that is an innovative way to change I go you go. Yeah, again to 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 clarify that for listeners, so the the mechanic in. Uh... In Infinity, is called the Automatic Reaction Order, or ARO. You'll hear ARO thrown out a lot. And what that means is, and in Infinity, Chris is right, you allocate all your orders uh, to the models that you have available, and then you activate all your units, and then your opponent activates all the units after they allocate orders. Uh, But the thing about Infinity is that as soon as you step in front of someone else's line of sight, they can shoot at you. Uh, at any point during your activation, once once you've entered their field of vision, they can shoot at you, even if it's not their turn. And every model that can see you can shoot at you. So right. uh, it's it makes Infinity very tense. And I, I think Infinity is one of the most cinematic games on the market because of the fact that you're constantly engaged and you're like always looking for firing opportunities on your opponent. Um, and th- and that you're right. That definitely bucks. That that makes I go you go much less boring. Mm-hmm. Yep. The the way I've always described Infinity is that it is the game of all the things you have to imagine happening in a in a 40k. Yeah. Well, you know the other thing that separates Infinity from a game a, a standard I go you go game is that in, a, a, the other big innovation is that a standard I go you go game you get to order every unit once. But in Infinity, you generate an order pool, and you can use all your orders, all your regular orders, on one guy if you want to. Like, if you want someone to Rambo the fuck up the field, you can definitely do that. That's your prerogative. You can spend all those regular orders on one guy. Now, that's not true with all – not order. all orders are created the same, right? There's impetuous orders where those are, have to be allocated to specific models. But in general, the big innovation there is that you can spend those orders, multiple orders, on one model if you want to. Yep. And that gives you that player choice. Yep. So, so always being engaged is is super important and something that skirmish games seem to do quite well. Yeah. I mean, I will say mass battle games are, are picking up on it because I mean, look at Legion. You know, Legion is a mass battle game, but it's got the it's got the you know the alternating activations feature built into it. And as you know, I, I didn't think that was going to work for a mass battle game just because of what it is. And, and, and Fantasy Flight did a good job with it. So. It's not to say that it, it won't do well in mass battle. It's just something that's slow to come to that format. Yep, and uh, there's a there's a game um, coming out from uh, from a company in uh, in Cyprus that's called I think Conquest that is a mass battle game. Yeah, Parabellum is the name of the company, and Conquest is the name of the game. And Conquest has a super innovative alternating activation system uh, and is squarely in the mass battle space. So there is innovation coming. Uh, in, in that uh, in in that in that space, just just save your wallets, guys. This will be your next damn it chops moment when he starts talking about this game. Yeah, well, we'll yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It depends on if I can if I can even hack it, right? Because part of me, I I already own a lot of a, a Song of Ice and Fire, and, and you know, there's an episode of me gushing about that game. So. Getting into Conquest. I mean, Conquest has beautiful... Anyway, we're not going to talk about Conquest. We're talking about skirmish <laughs> games. Keep me on topic, Chris. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. 
So, so I want to just circle back a little bit because another thing that is, you know, occurring to me that's really great is that I spent a lot of time painting up my models for the other side. You know, I spent months getting a, a force ready. And as I sit here with Wild West Exodus and, you know, I'm really excited about Wild West and I'm, I'm painting and I, I realized that, you know, I spent the better part of six hours and I, you know, well, I, A, I chose a really easy color scheme, but the other thing is like, I've got a third of my force painted, uh, after that amount of time. So an, another huge advantage that I don't think can be understated, especially if you want to take this hobby in that artistic direction or depending on how you want to go, right? If you don't want to spend a lot of time painting, uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time painting because you can get this low model count paint requirement out of the way pretty easily. But the flip side of that is if you want to take that super hard deep dive into the creative aspect and you want to be a really, really excellent miniature painter, uh, and I flip-flop between painting fast and painting well, uh, depending on the project that I'm looking at, you can take that time and not feel bad about it, right? Like if you spent 10 to 18 hours on every model in 40K, it'd take you years to paint an army, uh, you know, on a, on a normal person's times budget. You know, the opportunity cost of painting a huge, you know, for any mass battle game, I don't want to keep a war machine, any, any game, I don't want to pick on GW constantly here. But like, if I you want to so take you throw Star Wars Legion into that Legion, yeah, that. I mean, yeah, you want to take the time. Yeah, the, these smaller games where you're looking at six to fifteen models, it's uh, much easier to get that painting requirement out of the way. It's true, and 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 even if you uh, even if you kind of don't want to take that time to paint, they still look good. They do, they do. You know, we we have a guy here in our local Wild West Exodus community who genuinely is not does not find joy in painting um but the the small amount of models and and the way the models were designed it 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 encouraged him to paint them and you know he did what he was comfortable with and when you put them on the table they look great yeah they still look fine that three foot rule is in hard effect that's what i was about to say they, they passed the three foot rule they look good on the table that you know for for people that that that's you know they prefer just gaming Boom, you're done. You know, that's, that you don't have to do any more than that. Yeah, and for me, like right now, where I want demonstrable forces for, for Wild West Exodus, and I know I'm not playing the faction that I'm going to eventually fall in love and end up with. I'm trying to get to that three-foot requirement. Um, and maybe a little better. Maybe tabletop plus-ish. You know, a little bit better, but yeah, at the I'm, same time, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that. I'm getting that way with my lawmen, but my watchers. I'm gonna spend the time. I'm gonna airbrush them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them look pretty. You know, Paul unfortunately has got this. Me playing this as my main game, so gotta at least have one faction looking pretty. All right. So, uh, do you guys have any anything else to hit on? Just to circle back to the innovations, uh, any specific games you want to highlight? And you know, I I want to mention one anecdote that I meant to mention earlier in this in the thing, Paul. When I, I asked if any of you guys had any examples of where you used the low barrier of entry uh, to to get into a game, I was actually throwing Paul a softball that he didn't hit. Uh, I always miss your softballs. What the hell? <laughs> It's like three weeks in a row you've tossed me a softball and I've struck it. And so out. Paul's softball in this in this case is actually the man talking on the mic right now. Um, Paul got me back into wargaming by selling me Guild Ball over the fucking phone. That's <laughs> true. On, on the merits, I almost got bitten by a by a snake in Florida while doing it, but I did it. Yeah. Um, and it, and that is how I got back into wargaming, and I ended up buying hard into Guild Ball at uh, Gen Con 2014 or 2015. Um, and that was, you know, my re-entry back into the hobby after a decade out. Uh, and, and, and again, it's that small, low model count, uh, not intimidating way to get back into the scene. It's true. And, and a unique system, too. Oh, yeah. Right? So like good. That's, I, that's just it, is that there's, there's such... I've easy, got easy selling points. Yeah, when you have unique systems. Yep, I've got I've got current problems with Guild Ball, but that's not going to diminish my love of that game system. It's a very clever game. Um, and and it, so let's we've talked a lot about gushing, and we'll come back to to the love of the skirmish systems. But I know our uh, friendly show curmudgeon Chris definitely had some negatives that he wanted to highlight, and I, I've got a, a pretty significant one too, I think. But I'll let Potter take it away here. Uh, so one of the biggest things that I run into with difficulty, and I run into this with, with mass battle games too. 
Um, if anybody is on our Discord, they've seen my arguments and heard my arguments here on the on the on the show about you know wanting to be able to play with all the things. Um, so you know, with with skirmish games, especially where you get ones where a game company is going um, you know is going deep with their model range instead of wide with their factions. Uh, I run into an issue where I get upset because I want to play with all my toys, and because of the low point cost. And when these games get wide like that, I can't play with all my toys. So I will say that, that for me, that is a negative aspect of it where I feel like playing something like a mass battle game like 40K um, or, or Age of Sigmar, I get to the point where I'm able to play with a lot more of my toys, um, You know, where I can fit those in. I don't get that sometimes with skirmish games. So that is a negative point for me on, on the skirmish level, especially like when I was playing Outcast and Wild West Exodus. Because that faction is so huge, because it is essentially four factions in one faction. There's so many models in it. You get you get faction ADD and you just want to play with all the things because they're all cool. They all do their own thing. They're all unique looking. You want to play with all of them. It's like, oh my god, that model's cool. Oh my god, that model's cool. Oh my god, that model's cool. And you want to play with them. And with skirmish levels, you can't. And, and I know that's by design, and I know you know that what that is a good thing. That, that's the thing that makes the games great. But you know, as a modeler and somebody likes building models, I want to see my models. I want to play with my models. That can be a little upsetting. Yeah. So while I don't agree with you, I hundred percent understand and uh, can empathize with your point. Uh, because yeah. and mainly because you know, even in playing Malifaux and only playing Gremlins in Malifaux. You know, there are there are times I'm like, oh, I want to play with all my gremlins, and you can't, right? right? You have mm-hmm. to focus down on on what works for the game you're playing in. But I think that you know rebounds into one of the biggest pluses in in uh, in these games is that you can personalize a lot. There's a lot of room for for creativity and list building, and, that, and that's not to say there isn't in 40k because if there wasn't, there wouldn't be the amazing amazing competitive scene that there is in 40k. Um, but uh, the, the, the list building aspects in, in these games and, and your ability to, to customize your force to, to you are uh, very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I agree with that too, and I, and I get that standpoint as well. But, and, I, and I will say that uh, another downside to it is in, in coming down to that selecting models, uh, when you get games uh, where I feel like the balance is off, and I will say Malifaux uh, 2.0 is subject to this, where you felt like when I was playing a guild as a guild player for a long time, I felt like I couldn't build a list with that Francisco in it, you know, which is now limiting the type of models that I'm bringing into because just if I wanted to be able to do anything because of the faction imbalance within guild, I had to take Francisco. Yeah, and I think and that, that was the only way I was going to survive. Yeah, that's definitely more of a, a problem with Malifaux in general, and I think they fix right. that a lot in third edition. And, um, and I agree, and, but, but it, I, I mean, I would say like, well, I mean, Guildhall had a little bit of it as well too. Be like, there were certain captains that you only wanted to take this tactic. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think and I think Steam Forge has done a good job of fixing that as they've gone on with their seasons. But like, definitely like in season two, with, as a butcher player, no one played Ox. Everybody yeah. played Fillet. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have this complaint because this complaint is valid. It's super valid. But I'll also point out that it exists in a game like 40k as well. Oh, it and, does. And if you look at the competitive scene, everyone and their mom plays with the loyal 32 and knights right now, right? Like if you're an yeah. imperial player, you're playing imperial soup. You've got a knight and you've got 30 guardsmen and two fucking guard captains or whatever the fuck you take for the loyal 32, so that you can you know game the system and get your stratagem points. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think the effect is felt a little bit more in the skirmish games because I, yeah, your model count I think you're is right. so low. I think you're right, and I, and, I, and I, I think, think that's where right. my argument is. All right, and so, so those are my biggest two curmudgeon points. All right, I'm gonna uh, can I build on one of his curmudgeon? Yes, points build. Make make me feel vindicated. Build, build. Okay, well, kind of. Um, Damn it! But one of the things that I think leads to the feeling of of not being able to play with your toys is that sometimes the games just keep expanding, mm-hmm. right? And this was this was something that, that Privateer Press did to differentiate themselves from GW, which was they kept making new models. It wasn't that they were always going to go back and just redo an entire faction and mess with the points 
and and the abilities of a of a of a unit so this way then you'd be encouraged to go out and buy that without them having to design any new models right so the idea was that all or at least most of your models would be playable or as playable as they could make them the challenge that we've seen now you know 20 years 15 what how long has the privateer press been around 18 19 years somewhere around there yeah so 18, 18 19 years into into war machine and now you're struggling with okay well we've kept producing models what do we do now there's too much and we've even seen that a little bit with Malifaux, and and now we're starting to see companies try to uh, find creative ways to deal with this and and to make it viable but that's part of what makes it feel like you can't play with all of your toys mm. is that it just keeps expanding and there's just more toys but the size of the game doesn't and the change. point I'll, I'll make to counterbalance that a little bit is that and this is where it gets back to the innovation in the industry is that you see that this this is a problem and, and a lot of companies recognize it and we're seeing new editions of games like Malifaux where they they they're using keywording to to limit this problem right and you use a game like wild west exodus that uses some very clever posse building mechanics to help counteract it as well mm -hmm. uh, by incentivizing certain sorts of things um but still leaving you but lots of part customization. Of my, part of my thing with that chops chops though is that that's still fairly new and we don't know how well that's working yet right we don't like but they're trying, right? Third they're constantly edition, trying third, new things. Right, exactly. They're, they're trying. There's they're steps. I mean, Privateer Press, it's a little hard to say how theirs is going because the, the, the issues with launching Mark III, right, without having theme lists, which they wanted everybody to have theme lists, so this way you could easily say, oh, I want to play this army. Oh, that, that theme looks cool. You know, I like these types of guys. There's a theme for them, so I'm just going to buy into, into them to, to create that. You know, to keep that that barrier of entry low, instead of just going, "Oh my God, there's 800 different units in Signar. What the hell do I do? You know what? Forget it. I'll just go play Guild Ball because I have you know 12 models to choose from overall." Or they'll pick something like the new Infernals, which is you know a very low model count army staying within that game system. And so, oh, but that that would be a bad idea because you can play so many different factions in Infernals. Oh, uh, I see. I don't know anything about them yet. Yeah, no, Infernals basically plays with other well, factions. Well, one of their theme forces does, right? There's there's two theme forces. Yeah. One of them does that. One of them expressly does not. Um, okay, fine. Well, I'll take yeah. Crucible then. Sorry, Crucible. Crucible one, Guard. One, one of them does a cool job of letting you play with Kador and Minoth toys together, like the cavalry right, stuff. Right, yeah, that's the one of the theme forces for Infernals. And I, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, well, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, I will say, you know, giving Privateer Press credit where I think that they've learned, like, oh, crap, we've released too many models for each of these factions. Now they're doing these mini factions like Grimkin, like Crucible Guard, like Infernals, where they're, you know, and it's the same thing with Steamforge is doing, you know, albeit say what you want to say about Steamforge and they're getting models out, but, you know, they have they're able to do the balance that they're able to do because they're keeping each of their factions low model count small. and they're, they're, they're just putting yeah. out, they're keeping them very small, you know, especially like these, these minor guilds are, you know, what, six models, you know, and that, and they're able to now buff the major guilds, but you know, so you're enhancing your major guilds by putting out the minor ones, but you're still not doing it to the point where you're having to buy 60, 70 models at a, in a go. Yep. And, and it'll be interesting to see as, as uh, Malifaux and, and War Machine both try to, to deal with this, uh, I guess you could call it model bloat, and how well both of their approaches will be to that. I mean, I mean, Wild West Exodus has kind of built it in from the ground up, you know, but, but again, they're still a fairly new company, so they can look at what other people have been doing and say, okay, how do we fix this going in? Well, I mean, I think, I think Chops hit the, hit the nail on the head with the keywords. I mean, even GW is picking up on the keywords. I mean, they've, they've adopted that both across both their major games, and they're doing the same thing with Age of Sigmar. If you look at it, they're not going in and, you know, adding new models to the old, the old factions. Like, yeah, Stormcast, you know, what, two, a year ago got a ton of new models, but that was pretty much just finishing that faction. Everything we got sees go for, so far is just them adding new factions to the game. The Night Goblins just came out. Um, you know, Slanesh is finally getting their stuff added to Age of Sigmar now. Um, you know, so they're, they're adding more factions into it instead of going, they're, you know, adding to the existing factions, which I think is good. 
I think they're, you know, because they're learning that same lesson. You know, the balance is hard when you're getting that many models in one faction and trying to get people to play with all those toys. Yeah. But yep, let's, uh, let's, let's circle back to the skirmish game zone. Keep this, keep this wise skirmish focused, but we have, we have my one complaint about skirmish games. Um, and I, I, for me, the, the big detractor and the hardest thing about a skirmish game is audience. And so I think anywhere you go, anywhere where wargaming is a viable hobby, right? So any, any place where you could manage, you know, places that have friendly local game stores, etc. Uh, you can find a games workshop scene. If you want to play Shadespire or 40K or AOS or whatever it is, this is the, the you know, it's the 800-pound gorilla. And if you want to play games, you can find games because this, this company and its games are extremely well-supported and extremely well-loved by their community. Um, and, it, it, you know, I, I've never had a complaint about not being able to play a games workshop game system. If I want to play one, I can find an opponent. And skirmish games are much harder. Um, and I, I think this is the, the main complaint that I have is that if you want to get into skirmish gaming, one of the first things you have to do is you have to decide, do I want to be a champion for this game and be a, a, and be a demo roadie for as long as it takes to build a scene, which is what my local guy Aaron did with Malifaux, right? He started our Malifaux group basically out of himself and one other guy. Uh, and it was really just Aaron grinding demos. That's how he got me into the game. I was trying to grind demos on Guild Ball, and he just happened to give me a great demonstration of Malifaux and sold me on it. Um, and it, you, know, you have to make the decision, do I want to be that person that's going to go out there and grind demos? Or you have to like decide, do I just want to find the one skirmish game that seems to have a pretty good local scene and play that game? Uh, and I, I think that, to me, is a, is a hard negative uh, into skirmish games. The only, one I, the only comment I'll make on that caveat is I will say that yes for everything but X-Wing. X-Wing, I look at it as a skirmish <laughs> game as well, yeah, too. Let's... And X-Wing has an amazing community. <laughs> Fuck you for mentioning that and being so right about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's 100% true. Uh, I can't, I, I have nothing to say about that. Um, but outside of that, right? Like, I, I think that this is a, a, a pretty solid point. And, it, you know, you, I can't just say, you know, Malifaux is a great game. Dear listener, in a, in a town of 5,000 people, you should go buy Malifaux models right now because your likelihood of getting another person interested might be very hard. Whereas, you know, Warhammer 40K is pervasive in our, in our culture. You know, even people who don't necessarily know what 40K is all about in terms of, like, how to play 40K have been they're, they're aware of it, right? People who are ingrained into pop culture, at least, you know, when they see a Space Marine, they, they probably know it's from Warhammer, right? Or they've heard the word Warhammer. So, so to, to, to add to your point on that, I will actually say this exact thing happened yesterday. I went to one of the local stores to meet a guy to pick up my watchers. And while we were there, we were leaving. A guy was walking in with an army case, and it happened to be Infinity. But my girlfriend goes, oh, is that guy going to go play Warhammer? Right. She knows nothing about miniature gaming exactly. at I mean, all. That's, that's it, right? Like, it's, it's, uh, it's the thing. that If you want to play a war game and, and you're, you're in a smaller town or you're deeply in an area that is entrenched in the GW hobby, it's hard to get the, and it's hard to pull those guys out too. It's very hard to get a person that plays Games Workshop games exclusively to try a demo of any other system. Which, it, honestly, it boggles my mind because I'm just like, guys, give it a shot. It's gonna, it's gonna like expand your horizons. But they never want to. Um, so that I mean, that to me, and that's it, a hard thing. It's you know, it's not an inherent weakness in skirmish games. It's more just you know a comment on the the war gaming culture. I think that that causes a slight negative but again if you're that person who's highly motivated and you're ready like for me with eden right and for me with with now wild west exodus i i don't have the time to necessarily grind demos but i'm going to be at the, like the hype man as hard as i can for these games and and try and get people in and, and get people playing and play these games as often as i can to get more people excited about them because i love them so much and i, and I want other people to enjoy it and i know that you know it's reasonably priced to get into these style of games but that's uh that's Agreed. all i had to say about that 
<laughs> Thanks, Forrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the whole, though, guys, we got to circle back out of this miasma of negativity we just dove into for like 15 minutes. Uh, skirmish war games are the truth. Uh, honestly, if you're just stepping into to war gaming, or if you're listening to this and you're primarily a games workshop gamer, step out of your bubble, please. Give give skirmish yeah. a chance. Give skirmish a really, chance. Really, really, really do yourself a favor. Um, you know, I, again, when when my friends started playing War Machine, I was like, nah, nah, it's you know, I'm GW, GW, GW. You know, I'm on that banner. Like, and honestly. Since going back, is going and playing War Machine, I have not looked back until Paul convinced me to buy 40k models again, like three years <laughs> ago. Like I, I was so anti GW. Is everything was like, why would I do that? I could, I could play, I could play Guild Ball, because um, I was playing Guild Ball pretty hard at the time. Um, you know, season one, season two, around that time. You know, I was playing Guild Ball almost every night. War Machine. You know, we were playing uh, just starting up a Malifaux. I'm like, I can get so many more games in and that yeah. that to me is a big selling point and we didn't really talk about that in, in this is you can get in, in the time that it takes me to play a game of gw of, of any system at their standard tournament point size take i can play a standard standard tournament point size i can play probably play two games of standard tournament size for a skirmish game in the time that it takes gw players to play one game yep Hundred percent. You're getting more. You're getting more bang for your buck when it comes down to playing skirmish games versus mass battle games. Um, you know, the only one I I will fight to the tooth and nail for is Legion, just because it's Star Wars and I absolutely love it. You won't convince me of that. The fanboy in me will just die on that hill. And, and but, it's the, you know, it's halfway there too, right? Like you're not. It is. You're you're, you're sitting in that that other side space where you're kind of in between. Uh, full mass battle on a skirmish game it's 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 definitely you know in the smaller end of the like the size of a a legion army is like the size of a custodes army right like it's not necessarily a a high model count game though i am i am fighting on the hill and i'm dying on the hill for a larger model count for that game but that's just me Yeah, please do because it's the. the I think you're going to die alone. Yeah, the the current, the current, the current point level is perfect. Um, Shut up. (laughs) So skirmish games, guys. Skirmish games. Uh, Innovative mechanics. Yeah. Low model count. Uh, We didn't even talk about object the objective based gameplay in these games being so good. Uh, You know, a game like Malifaux where you have so good that it's forced the largest mass battle game to adapt them themselves. Sorry, what was that? I said that objectives are so good in skirmish games that it's basically forced the 800-pound gorilla to add objective-based gameplay to That's their correct. games. That's yes. correct. Skirm- yeah, yeah, right. The skirmish space has, ma- has basically forced them into that. Um, but yeah, so innovative, innovative victories, victory conditions, um, multiple managed resources. And also that's pushed, it's pushed GW into that direction too, right? With like stratagem points and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but also low model count means the barrier to entry is, and the barrier to paint is lower. Uh, highly dynamic models that you can feel very proud of when you're done and don't all look the same. Uh, so many advantages. And again, and this, this, I think can't be understated, the amount of variety that you can get for less money that it costs for one army in a mass battle game is a huge advantage. Like, I, you know, I've spent so far, like, I think $140 on Wild West Exodus stuff, which, man, I can't believe I've spent that much already. But I've got, I've got you know, basically two factions with options for list building. Uh, which, you know, if I spent $140 on 40K models, I'd have 500 points maybe out of my my 2,000-point list. So it's just just the way to go. The, 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 just take the chance, dive into the game, go find a local skirmish community in your area uh, and find out what games they're playing. It doesn't matter what it is. Like all the games that we talk about and all the games that are going get, to get played regularly in your area are good. If it's Gaslands, if it's Frostgrave, if it's Wild West Exodus, if it's Malifaux, if it's Guild Ball, if it's Infinity, any of these games are worth your time uh, and you should definitely give them a shot. Here, here. Agree. Also, Bushido and Eden. I feel like a jerk for not mentioning those games. 
Uh, I really need to buy Bushido models because I just want to paint them. They're so good. Anyway, and they're third. The new edition's coming out, right? So, uh, yeah, I might wait till the new edition to look at the, the factions then. Yeah, um, but yeah, skirmish games. Uh, final thoughts from uh, from either of you guys. Well, uh, I'm gonna go with the final thought of skirmish games are the best games. I'm gonna just echo yeah. that. Yeah, um, I mean. I can't argue it. it. They're they're great. I enjoy them. Um, they're they're my life right now. It's you know they're great. You Go skirmish. Go skirmish. <laughs> all right. So uh, getting uh, getting all the uh, the stuff out of the way here. Uh, big thanks to our patrons. Um, you guys are awesome. Uh, consistently amazing. Uh, also to those of you who contributed to help us think of our topics for tonight uh, and the things we want to talk about tonight. Thank you. Big thanks to Static as a City for providing our badass intro and outro. Um, uh, if you want to get at us on on Patreon, also it's uh, Patreon slash Three Minute Award Game spelled out Three Minute Award Game, no uh, no number threes. Also, you can hit us up on the social media platform of your choice. We're out there on on all of them at Three Minute Award Game. Um, I think that's it. Did I miss anything there? I have, I have one. I have one other quick thing mm-hmm. there, chops. What do we have going for the people who maybe don't necessarily want to do a Patreon, but would still maybe like to support us? Yeah, we got dice. So if you look at our ugly mugs on our logo there on your phone or whatever device you're listening on, uh, you can get your own three-minute war game D6s that have our terrifying faces on the sixes, (laughs) and you can praise us for your crits. Uh, So... Get at them, man. They are five bucks. Uh, five bucks gives you one of each of our smiling mugs plus one with the logo. Um, and if you want to buy a set of those dice, that would definitely help us with the show. We're trying to get cameras and mics so that we all sound better. Uh, I'd like to start recording Eden battle reports and Wild West Exodus battle reports and obviously Malifaux third edition battle reports as soon as possible. Um, and uh, the you know the money from our Patreon and from buying the dice is what's going to help us do that. And and if you would if you would like the dice, uh, probably the easiest way to get them from us at this point is to um, send an email to three men in a war game at gmail dot com. Give us your address, um, and uh, I will I will contact you about how to pay us. Or uh, just to find out if you're listening. Uh, join the Discord and just make the first thing you say, yo, what about them dice, bitches? And we'll get back at you with a DM <laughs> about how to get some dice. Oh, I can't wait for that to actually happen. True now. story. We, we will do that. Uh, so come join our Discord and get at some dice. But they're fun. But they're, yeah. but they're fun, too, because I, I've used them a couple times playing Eden, and every time I, I get a successful crit, uh, I yell out the name of whoever's face came up. He does, and he will text us as well too. It's true. I'll be like, text. It was like Potter just got me this. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 fun. Um, so and uh, another thing is also uh, as soon as I can get off my ass and work on some things, look at for some new formats of the Discord or that the the, uh, the show coming to you guys. Um, you know, on d- different media platforms, so that way you have your choice of what you want to listen on. So I'm working on something new, so we'll hopefully have it out here that we can discuss more in depth uh, and, and share it with everybody. Yeah, and but look yeah, out. we're innovating. And I, and I just want, I do want to take a moment to thank both of these guys for all, all their hard work on the show. Let me get sappy for a second there, um, because they're doing a lot of hard work. I don't do shit. All I all I do is talk and write show notes. Yeah, and that's a that's a huge deal. I that's a lot. <laughs> Because I, I don't do the show notes, so you know you do it for me is great. Like, I could, literally I somebody if somebody asked me the other day, I was like, oh, how do you guys prepare it? I'm like, I literally can't tell you. I just show up and wait for chops to tell me what I'm talking about. Yeah, and that makes me embar- like a little embarrassed about our first two deep dives because I didn't. I feel like each time I've learned a lot, and ne- next the next deep dive, you guys, I promise the next one's going to be really good. I did. I'm proud of the first two, but the next one I think will be something that you'll really like. Uh, I've got some really good ideas to keep us uh, focused and keep us consistent on yeah, those and, going and, forward. And, and that's one, also one of the reasons why we're not doing a deep dive tonight is that the, the next one's going to be a big one. 
Yeah, and I, I want to write a couple of them at a time. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, that's yeah. that. Let's uh, get out of here. Right, bye. So. Let's get out of here. Don't spoil <laughs> the end game. Bye, bye, bye. Don't make spoilers. Spoilers are the worst. You're the worst if you spoil stuff. Bye. <laughs>